As Dilla says, I'm starting to pick up words from, you know, do you ever notice you pick up words from people you work with? Okay, Stephanie, the, I don't, I'm picking up wrong words from Stephanie. Where's Stephanie? Stephanie, my, my assistant. I, I'm saying things like thingy. The other day I said, okie dokie. Doesn't work, so it works with her. And, and Dillis, Dillis's word that sticks in my mind, all of it, she goes, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So that whole medicine thing, the way you say, I'm just saying, just saying, today. I want to start out with a poem. How many of you read poetry? Good, the A students do, because they're broadening their spectrum. And for all of you, and I know that just got you, didn't it? Like, wait, nobody can beat my grade point average? You guys, I start foaming in the mouth. <laughs> Peace. So to help expand your horizons, I'm going to read a poem to you this morning. It's called A Tree by Laura Green. The world of blur to most, most see a tree as a tree. The day you actually see when the world is not the same world, a tree is no longer a tree. A tree is something that bears fruit. Uh, a tree is something beautiful. A tree with leaves of majestic green. No longer just a tree. But a tree that is a, a work of art. That is the day you see the world. That is the day the world comes into focus. That is the day you truly see the tree. Father, as we come and just share a moment with each other, May we see the world for what it is. May we see the tree. Amen. I was thinking what I would do this morning is give you an opportunity. I was thinking I would give you an opportunity to just turn to the person next to you and tell about your favorite tree when you were growing up. But the way you guys talk, I only got limited time. It's ticking, so you, just do it in your mind, because I'd never get you back. But just, no, don't do it. Just think of the tree, OK? All right, enough of that. I, the tree that I'm thinking about was when I was a little boy in the back of our house in Downey. Anybody from Downey, California? Raise it. Did I see a hand? Did you raise your hand or were you just, are you from Downey? I <laughs> Take a photograph of him so I can hunt him down later, please. Thank you. Yeah. Who wants to give me all their money in their bank account? <laughs> hey, take his picture too. All right, here we go. Back to the tree. <laughs> 14 years I've been here. 14 years is what I get. The tree in my backyard was a Chinese elm tree. And when I was a little boy, I, I, I was certain it climbed to the giant's castle in the sky like the beanstalk. Thing was huge. It's probably about three stories tall, but when you're about that tall, that was huge. And I loved that tree. That tree, that tree, as I think about it, means so much to my life. Uh, when I was a little boy, my mother went through a series of, of long-term illnesses where she'd be in the hospital. And being a little guy, you don't know why mom's not around. You don't understand things that are happening or, or pain or fear or things in the house. You, you just don't know when you're a little guy. And, I looked at that tree one day and I thought, I gotta climb that tree, but I was too short. So I went and I dragged the picnic table bench 
over to the tree, and I managed to prop some boxes up, and I climbed up, and I got in my tree. And that started my love affair with my tree. Eventually, I got a little bigger, and I got a piece of wood, and I, and I built a beautiful tree house. It was just a piece of wood with three nails, but it was my tree house. And I would climb up into that tree, and that, that tree for me was a place of refuge when, when I was scared and I didn't understand stuff. I'd go up in my tree, and I just felt like, yeah, my tree, it's big, and it would hold me in its branches. It, it was a place of dreams. Little kid dreams. It was my pirate ship. It was my castle against dragons. It, it was my dream tree. It, it was a place where it helped me make sense of things I didn't understand. And then there was the times when the hurt was deep and I was scared or angry and I didn't know what to do. And one day I got up the nerve and I just climbed and climbed. Chinese elm trees are great because the branches kind of go like this. You just climb and climb and climb and climb. And I got to the top of the tree, to the little skinny branches, the branches that if any one of my parents had have come out, they would have screamed in horror, but then covered their mouth for fear I'd fall out. I was up at the branches where the branches were doing this with me holding it. <laughs> but from the top of that tree, I saw things my little eyes never saw before. It seemed like I could see across continents. Probably saw a couple of blocks, but to me, <laughs> I could see the clouds, and I felt, you know what? I'm near God. This house can't be too much higher than this. You know what? Do you have a tree in your life? Or maybe you think you've outgrown tree houses or dragons and pirate ships, but do you, do, you, do, you, do you have a tree in your life? Over 14 years ago, when I came to this place, when they asked me to be the campus chaplain, and they hadn't really had one before me, and I had no clue. I can tell them this now, guys. You hired me. I had no clue what a campus chaplain was. Because when I was in college, I didn't hang out with them campus chaplains, but that's a story for another chapel. Uh, and, and I was afraid because, I mean, this is Loma Linda. You know, you say it, it's like giant letters should pop up, Loma Linda. <laughs> and I'm walking around and everything's named after historical people. This is an intimidating place, you know. And everybody's been here a hundred years and generations. And me, I'm like, oh man, what have I got into and everybody's looking at me, you are the spiritual leader. Yes, I am. Jesus, help me. <laughs> and I prayed. I said, Lord, I need a place to get away. I always try to find a place of solitude. You've got to find a place of solitude in your life. Where do you go where it's quiet and you can be something and be with somebody that you're not normally with? That spiritual component of your life. And I said, Lord, I've got to find a place. Do you know how hard it is to find a quiet place on this campus? Because even if I think I found someone, someone sees me and they talk to me, hey, hey, where'd you go? I'm trying to have a quiet time. <laughs> and you can't say that because you're the campus chaplain. You've got to be, come talk with me. <laughs> now, it's not all the time. Don't be afraid to talk with me for that. It's just <laughs> when I was looking for my quiet place. 
And I went for days, weeks, I think months, and I never found any place. I, I, I kind of thought I'd find places, but then, you know, they, it, it just would change. And then one day, one day, I was driving. I was just kind of exploring the place, you know. I do that when I go to a new place. And, and I went up around Nickel Hall, and do you know there's a little road that goes all the way around that little mountain up on the top? Any of you ever been around it? Yeah. And one day I was like, where does this road go? And I went past Daniel's, and I went past the back of Nickel Hall, and it went past those little old cottages, and I went around, and there it was, my spot. Right there, two parking places, if you get there early enough. Pete, you're very cutthroat with parking around this campus. I just want to know. I pray. I try to keep my Christianity looking for parking places. But... There was two places there, two places right on the corner of that. And there was a tree, and it was a cool tree. Not just a tree, you know, like you draw. This was one of the pepper trees, but this, this pepper tree had been through it. You know, it's not like, I'm a healthy pepper tree. No, somebody beat up this pepper tree. It was, it had two, brand, uh, what do you call it, trunks. And it just went, eh. And sometimes it was split, but it was still growing, and, and it would put out its branches. And, and when I could drive there, not this parking place, but this is the one you wanted. This is the one. This is the one I'd chase students out of saying, I'm your chaplain. Boop! You give me that place. <laughs> and I would go and park there, and my tree would be, let me hide you. And the branches would be there so people couldn't see where I was. And you could look, though, and you could see the mountains, and there was snow on them. Yes, there will be snow on those mountains one day. The heat will go away if this is your first time at Loma Linda. There will be snow on those. That's where we keep our snow. For the rest of you that drop it all over yourselves, we keep it. <laughs> it was a beautiful place that I could go, and I needed that place. It was a place of consolation. It was a wonderful place. It became called, I started to call it my prayer tree. I have three points I want to share with you today. Point number one, we all need our trees to run to. We all need our trees to run to. Because that tree was my refuge. That tree was a place that I could go to. That, that tree helped to heal me and keep me sane. If you have your Bibles, if you want to use the Bibles that are in the chairs, I'm going to go to the 23rd Psalm. Maybe some of you have memorized it, okay? Next to John 3.16, this is probably the most famous passage in the Bible. And I want to read the first three verses because it talks about our needs for a tree. David cries out, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Wow, I could just stop right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I got it all, everything I need. Do you have everything you need today? He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Now, David should have helped me out with my message today and put a tree in there. But if there's a meadow, there's a tree, okay? Do you see it? A little sheep under it? He just forgot to write it down. Huh? I think it's in another language. But there's a tree there. And what, is it, what does David say? He says, you need to find a tree. You need to find a place where you're hungry. Is there anybody hungry in this room today? Oh, I don't mean for food. That's not what's in there, by the way. I'm not saying for food. I'm saying, are you hungry for something today? 
And the things that this world says will fill it is not filling it. And it may be you think your career will fill it, but I'm going to tell you, if there's a hunger inside of you that's greater than just wanting to make it successfully and, and be a part of society and make money and have things. Oh, do you have a hunger today? Because if you have a tree, if you find the tree that you need, God fills our emptiness, David says. He says he nurtures and strengthens me. Are you thirsty today? I don't, everything that you've poured down you is not quenching that thirst. He says, I will take you by still waters, just perfect for drinking. And God says, I will quench your thirst. I will heal your brokenness. I will cleanse you of all your sinfulness. And then David finishes it by saying, God restores the God image in me that life is blurred and disfigured. He restores my soul. And that's what your soul is. The God image. The God image inside of you that life is blurred and smudged and beaten up and scuffed. He says, I bring it back. Oh, my tree. There was times of weeping under my tree. There was times when I could barely drive and make it under my tree. There was times of joy. There's times I've singing. Some people would walk up the hill by the tree and catch me, and they'd look at me like, hi, chaplain. Hi. Oh, I was just singing up here. <laughs> Thought it was nuts in my car under my tree. But my tree. One day, I was having probably one of the most painful times in my life. Do you ever have those moments in life where everything blows up? No, I don't just mean one or two things. I mean everything. You don't have an area of your life where you are not being assaulted, beaten, broken down, where you are just saying it gets so bad that you almost just want to start laughing. You know how when people get in traumatic times, they laugh, and you kind of take them to the Behavioral Medical Institute? Down. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it was. And I had not been to my tree for a long time because the pain was so deep, I couldn't even go to my tree. And I remembered it. And I said, I got to go to my tree. And I ripped out the time in my, my schedule, and, and I went to my tree. And I drove up, and I stopped, and I was in shock. Have you ever entered some place so familiar but something's different and you don't get it right away? That as I pull up and park, instead of being embraced by the shade and the loveliness of my tree, it was bright and I'm going, what's going on? And I looked out my windshield and when I could gain my composure, I got out of my car and I stood there in horror. They cut down my tree. They didn't even do it nicely. <laughs> if it was landscaping, don't tell me who you are. <laughs> you did a nasty chop down of my tree. My tree was chopped up and dead. And they had dismembered it and thrown the pieces unceremoniously over to the side to be hauled off. They killed my tree. And I wept like they killed a loved one. 
I didn't know what to do. Where could I go? I needed my tree. All I could get from my tree is a piece that was laying there. My tree. This leads me to my second point. We all pass through devastating times. Some people call it the dark night of the soul. We all go through devastating times. If you haven't yet, get ready. Those moments when there's no way out, you don't know what to do, it's dark times. But what does Psalm 23 say to you as you're entering into that dark time? I don't have to belabor the dark time. You know the dark time. There's people right now smiling, sitting next to you, about ready to just explode from the darkness and the pain. If you were in it, if you've been in it, if you're heading into it, listen to the words of David. And he says in one verse, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. You see, when you're in the dark times, nobody likes to go through the dark times. We fear that we will never get out of the dark times. And that's what makes them even darker. And David used the symbolism of the shadow of the valley of death. For sheep, they don't like shadows. They don't want to go into the valleys because what makes a valley? What makes a valley? Those big, tall things over there. Mountains. And valleys have crevices and rocks and hidden things where if you're a sheep, things hide to eat you, to devour you and dismember you. Oh, it's a scary place for a sheep. We don't like the dark times. But he's saying you can go into the darkness unafraid. Why? Remember this, that valleys are the best pathway through the mountains. Tunnels of darkness are the best passageways through the obstacles of your life. But it's not enough to wander through there by yourself. David is saying, I don't have to be afraid, not because of me, because who I have with me. Because God is with you. And then he says something, his rod and staff comfort you. Why did he say those two things? Because a shepherd uses his rod for two things. One, to whack and crack anything that tries to attack his sheep. And two, to make sure the sheep is guided so they don't fall off a cliff or in a crevice. He's saying, you can go through the dark, devastating times because Jesus says, I love you. God says, I'll never forsake you. I've got it taken care of. And this is the best way, even though you don't see it, one day you will. It's the best way to go where life needs to take you. It wasn't long ago. It's been a rough few years for me. He's saying he's having more trouble. Oh, yeah. Just when you think you're out of the valley and you know you're like in a Disney, you're like in the Wizard of Oz, you know, when they come through the spooky valley, you're out of the woods, you're out of the, and the birds are singing, open, open the flowers, and you're, oh, 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 o
And it was one of those moments in my life. And I said, I need my tree. Where do I go? I was like a little kid, where do I go? And the Spirit said to me, go to your tree. What tree? My carcass? My chopped up stump? My dismembered heart and soul and life laying there in lifeless cracked wood? You want me to go look at that? I can't even look at my chunk. I didn't even look at this chunk till I brought it today. And he said, go to the tree. Whatever, God, all right. And I drove up. And I saw this, and I took a picture for you. That's my tree. Do you see? And I cried again. Do you see my tree? That's not weeds. That's hundreds of little trees coming up. I would look at it. It's coming right out of that little cracked, ugly stump that was my life and me, dried up, broken, splitting apart, useless. And God said, look at my tree, Terry. Because when I come in, there is life anew. And now there's hundreds of little trees. Landscaping, I'm going to hunt you down if you chop down those little trees. Leave them alone. <laughs> Which comes to point number three. We can transform our world when God transforms us. Oh, you want mission-focused learning. Understand, you are working for a career. I'm glad it's hard for you, I have to admit. I feel for you, but I'm glad they're just beating you up with learning. Because one day, lives and hearts beats and families and children and loved ones will depend on your decisions. But it isn't about your career, it's about your calling. And your calling is to touch those broken stumps and make, give them life and hope again. That's what it means to have mission-focused learning. And David says in verse 5 through 6, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You welcome me as a guest, anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. David says, God throws a party for us in the face and presence of our enemies and our troubles. He says that God honors you with blessings that he deserves, not me. What are you anointing me for, God? He says God will fill my emptiness with himself and his love that no heart or life can contain it and say, hey, that wasn't enough. Give me more, God. It'll overflow all over everybody. Not because of my little prayer tree, but because of the ultimate tree. The ultimate tree. The tree where Jesus gave his life. The tree where Jesus showed his unfailing love. The, the tree. That no one has to be broken because he was broken for us. No one has to be excluded because when he spread his arms across, he said, you're mine. Oh, let me tell you something. One more time. The world a blur to most, most see a tree as a tree. The day you actually see when the world is not the same world, a tree is no longer a tree. A tree is something that bears fruit. 
A tree is something beautiful. A tree with leaves of majestic green. No longer just a tree, but a tree that is a work of art. That is the day you see the world. That is the day the world comes into focus. That is the day you truly see the tree. Not gigantic edifices with glorious stained glass vistas, not mighty choirs or polished preaching. It's about broken, hurting people, sin-stained people coming to the tree to receive its gift, his promise, his presence forever and ever. Amen.